recording this at 7.40 on May 25th, 2022. So by the time you hear this, Colorado has easily moved on to the third round. So does the Battle of Alberta really matter anyway? Welcome to the Battle of Alberta podcast, the hockey show that has recorded more in the past two weeks than in the past two years. I'm the Oilers fan, Stuart Jones, and with me is the Flames fan, Darren Plett. How are you doing, Darren? Uh, I've had better days. It's been an adventure. And I've also had better weeks on the hockey side of things, but I think I deserve credit for showing up and still being willing to record a podcast after my team is not willing to participate in hockey games, apparently. Yeah, I definitely avoided texting you last night to confirm we were going to record today. (laughs) He needs a day. He needs a day. That's fair. Thank you very much. I was in a bad mood last night, let me tell you. Yeah, so obviously we'll get into uh, you know what happened over the past two games between the Flames and Oilers, but I guess we'll do a quick scorecard update on the other series. Uh, Tampa, Florida. We both picked Tampa <laughs> to win. Oh, but, man. But neither of us had them sweeping Florida, which they now have. So that series is done. We won't talk about them till the next round. How did that happen so fast, though? Like, did they play in four straight days? I Was there even a series? I just, you know, checked up on it one day and Florida was out. <laughs> what? <laughs> it already happened, yeah. I recall saying something along the lines of, I don't think Florida will get swept, but in the last episode, <laughs> and here we are. Here we are. They have been swept. So They've got very swept. Also in the East, uh, Hurricanes and Rangers. Rangers, baby, they have tied up the series, uh, but I still don't think they can get it done personally. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> All that hope followed by crushing yourself with disappointment. Yeah, that series is now tied at two, so uh, I guess anything could happen. It's now a best of three, best of five. <laughs> best of three. Yeah, yeah. Best of three. You had it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I was right the first time. Yeah. I, I did all that out. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Done. Anyways. Definitely. Yeah, totally. So, yeah, anything could happen. But like I said, uh, as much as it pains me, I still don't think they can do much more than tie it up the series. So, we'll see. I, like, Carolina can't score, though. They're having a lot of issues scoring, which is quite something. And if they're having issues scoring and they're playing against the Rangers who have actual goaltending usually that like that could be problems for Carolina if they can't get it together. Well, I was going to say like, I think most teams look like they have trouble scoring against teams like the Rangers. So maybe that's part of it. Um, But yeah, who who knows? Who knows what will happen next there? But again, it's the same thing in the East. Like who, who cares who wins that series? Cause they're just going to play Tampa. And get buzzsawed, so, you know. Very true. Congrats to the eventual Eastern Conference final loser from the, (laughs) part of me, from the Carolina-New York series. (laughs) Yep. So, speaking of buzzsaws, moving on to the West, uh, as of recording this, Colorado is looking to finish off the Blues. They are now 3-1 up, closing out the second period. Uh, They were 3-0, so maybe the Blues are making a comeback. Uh, they're up 3-1 in the series as well. So, again, this is sort of the closing scenario. And, uh, yeah, if if Colorado ends up winning this, they will have lost only one game in the first two rounds. So, 
Uh, as one of our friends said, Oilers fans and Flames fans have nothing to look forward to, even if we win this series. <laughs> yeah, the the Flames and Oilers will, you know, theoretically just club each other to death and then drag themselves. The winner will drag themselves on to face Colorado, who's faced almost no adversity, at least on the ice. This, I mean, I again, I claimed that St. Louis was going to put up quite a fight, and for the first couple games it looked like they would but they've definitely fallen off here uh lately or you know colorado's just picked it up that much because i firmly believe that is something they can do so yeah if colorado's looking like that there's such a high chance of a colorado tampa final that it's uh it's not even funny yeah pretty much and of course that leads us to the oilers and flames um which I had said Oilers in seven, and I desperately hope I'm wrong about the number of games <laughs> at the point we're at. Uh, for those of you who haven't heard, Edmonton is now up three to one in the series. So my goodness, if it goes to game seven, my heart will not last that long under the stress. Um, I'm, Darren, I don't think yours will either, even though you probably want it to get that to that point. Yeah, at this point. I mean, after every game now, I'm just like, in a horrible spiral of pain and suffering and questioning why I am even a sports fan. But yet sitting here now, I'm thinking, you know, it would be the most flames Oilers thing to happen for the Oilers to go up three, one, and then the flames to come back and at least force it to a game seven. Right. Are we really going to rule that out at all? No, definitely. Like not. There's, there's a weirdly significant chance of that happening. I think and it's not because I think the flames are playing well. I think just because, like team chaos yeah the weirdest the weirdest craziest possible thing will happen to throw this province even into more disarray that's why i think that will happen not because i have any confidence in the flames actually picking it up at all yeah exactly so i guess let's uh let's cover a bit of the last two games so game three um first game in edmonton for the series oilers ended up winning that one four to one and then stayed in edmonton for game four and the oilers ended up winning that one five to three i guess i don't know if you have sort of a breakdown of each game or if you have anything you want to talk about overall with the flames um performance or the the actual uh occurrences in the games are a kind of a blur of suffering to me so you know it was just a lot of oilers goals on odd man rushes basically right Mm -hmm. the whole two games was just the flames having complete defensive lapses and the oilers getting breakaways and two-on-ones and unsurprisingly scoring on them or the Flames taking way too many penalties and the Oilers just getting lots of zone time, even without power play goals. They would just get a lot of time and then eventually get a goal off the momentum. So, yeah, basically the overarching theme to me was the Flames just look lost and panicked and like they don't trust each other. Mm. Um, They look completely alien from the Flames we saw for quite literally 82 games in the regular season. They were very rarely out of sorts in the regular season. They were for about two weeks, and then we found out they had COVID. (laughs) And, uh, you know, and then when they came back from COVID, they were a little rusty for a few games, and then they got right back to winning. And, you know, in years past, I would watch Flames games, and I would shut a lot of them off after a certain point because 
they would just look like they didn't care hmm. and the effort wasn't there and it's just painful to watch because like i can handle a team losing i mean not in this series but i can <laughs> handle it the flames losing in the regular season that's not a big deal especially if they give effort like if they're trying hard and bounces just don't go or you know the other team just had it that night it happens that happens mm-hmm. and that's fine especially if the team comes back with another good effort but the flames were never like that in previous years it just seemed like there's very little chance they would ever come back from being down and they would have games where they just looked like they were all out until 3 a.m the night before drinking or something and it's hard to cheer for a team like that but this year I think a lot of Flames fans collectively thought they had moved past that finally. Mm-hmm. Like, you didn't see that all year. When they lost, they they didn't go down quietly, and they were giving effort. And if they lost, it's because the other team's goalie had a night, or, you know, they hit a bunch of posts, and that's how it is, or the puck just wasn't bouncing like you would want it to. And when they lost, it was like, oh, well. This team is still ridiculously good, it appears, and Daryl's got them working, and that's that. But this series has collapsed that faith entirely, single-handedly, because, yes, I am a person looking through bright red-colored glasses, but to me, it doesn't seem like the Oilers are unbeatable. Uh, They are a very flawed team with a lot of very good, like, high-skill areas, but extremely flawed in other areas. Like LA took them to seven. So I think that shows that <laughs> Edmonton Edmonton is very vulnerable and Calgary could very well take advantage of that if they had played anywhere near like they did in the regular season, but they just collapsed and they kind of look like that team again where you know the effort isn't there and the the trust in your teammates isn't there. And whatever Daryl did during the whole regular season, the players seem to have just forgot or you know, I, I don't know how to describe it because I'm not them. I don't mm-hmm. know what's going on, but they're just making dumb plays that I just haven't seen this year. And it's phenomenal. Like, I can't remember talking about Noah Hannafin ever. Uh, <laughs> he's the most quiet, I think, top pair defenseman in the league. He just kind of exists and does his thing and you don't really notice him good or bad. And it's kind of nice that way. But this series, I have noticed him so often getting absolutely burned by McDavid and not just because McDavid is very good, which he is, but because Hannafin will like try to poke check McDavid at the dumbest time and then McDavid will do a spin move and you're like, yeah, obviously that's what's going to happen. Like, why wouldn't you just back up and, you know, play him, angle him off anything but poke check the fastest guy on the ice like it, they just made boneheaded plays and I could go on and on about all the plays that the defensemen have made that are poor and that Markstrom made like you're going to put your team down 20 seconds into the first game single-handedly by pulling a Mike Smith and giving it right to <laughs> an Oilers player that's a great way to you know try to tie up the series so I think I think there's just been so many gaffes on the Flames part and something is very wrong over there and they need to fix it because they look too much like the Flames of old. And I think they're very quickly losing confidence of myself and probably a lot of Flames fans if the ticket prices at the Dome are any indication this week. <laughs> yeah, it's been interesting to see those drop. Uh, so I got to push back a tiny bit. I definitely agree that there's been lots of um, 
misplays and Calgary has not played their best by any stretch. Um, I, I do know. Yes. I, I do think that the Oilers are a good team, but I also do agree that they are a flawed team as well. Um, but I do think um, there's something to be said about the effort when they're down um, in game four anyways, you know, game three, yeah, it was a four, one victory. But game four started off three nothing to the Oilers. Well, it didn't start off that way, but it got that way pretty quickly. And uh, Flames ended up tying it up three three. Of course, um, one of those being a absolute ridiculous Mike Smith goal. Um, but you know, tying it up while being uh, after being down by three is shows that they're definitely still putting in that effort after being down, but you know, then just got unlucky towards the end, maybe. Yeah, but the problem is, like, how sustained the effort is. Because anyone can put in effort for a minute. Because they got two goals in 30-some seconds. Very true, yeah. And then the third goal was 100% Mike Smith just not ever seeing the puck. And that made me laugh very hard out loud. (laughs) Because, like, that might be my fondest memory of the playoffs when this is all said and done. And literally the only thing Flames fans will have to throw back at Oilers fans if they're ever having an argument. It's like, ha yeah, we lost, but Mike Smith, am I right? But um, I I still had the feeling after that went in on Smith. I had a good laugh, and I had a laugh in our group chat, at slash with you, and I still had the feeling inside that the Oilers are going to win this in regulation. Like, there yeah. was no faith from me, and I've been feeling good these whole playoffs. Like, the Flames get down, they've been good all year. Like, I trusted them. And this was the first game where I went, they're not going to pull this off because they're going to get that goal and go, ah, yeah, we got this. We're going to overtime. And look what happened, right? They mm-hmm. Just a poor effort, you know, props to Nugent Hopkins for being in the right spot at the right time. A Flames player should be doing more to stop you <laughs> from being there. Yep. You know, Shillington, Shillington was there and just kind of lightly shoving him to the side. That's not that's not going to cut it. It's that's not playoff effort. So yes, they tied it up with a spurt of energy, but a, sp- a spurt of anything isn't really going to help you in the playoffs. You need really sustained effort. Yeah. Fair enough, for sure. I, I got to say, I think we should be going to like Hockey Fans Anonymous together because if you were feeling at the point that they tied it up, they're like, oh man, I still don't think my team's going to do this. I think everything's going to go terribly wrong. Well, then we should definitely relate because that's how I was feeling at that exact moment too. <laughs> the Flames tied it up. I was like, oh man, Smith is going to be frazzled over that stupid mistake. Now all of a sudden they're under pressure. The Oilers as a team is going to be frazzled. The Flames seem to be sparked by it, at least for a few seconds. Clearly that didn't last. I was really worried it was going to turn around. Uh, but I guess that's just how all hockey fans operate in those scenarios. Yeah, and like I crap on the Oilers a lot, and I will continue to do so until the end of time <laughs> probably because that's how I'm wired. But uh, for the Oilers fans listening – Take take this and run because I'm going to give the Oilers props for how unkillable they seem to be. They're very beatable and they're very vulnerable, but it's really hard to ever say the Oilers are down and completely out of it, mm-hmm. especially this season. Like uh, the Flames had them down by four, five goals sometimes in this series and th- they weren't out of it. They just stormed right back. That would sink most teams very easily. Yeah. And yes, a lot of it was on the back of McDavid and everything like that. But obviously the rest of the team exists and still need to help. 
and they did so. So it's it's super impressive to me that the Oilers are able to do that. And it's it's scary now, too, because like when that happens, when the Flames come and tie it up, you're like, I don't think this is going to rattle the Oilers or at least their top line. Like, I think McDavid's just going to come out and probably score again because yep. that really doesn't seem to phase them. So, yeah, if I had to put into words what makes Edmonton scary is that even though they're a deeply flawed team, they just they just keep popping back up and you you can't really kill them until you know the 60 minutes is up and you've won (laughs) yeah and that's definitely like obviously the biggest contributor of uh what mcdavid brings to the team is obviously just straight points um Mm -hmm. there's there's no denying that factor but i think that's (laughs) that's a huge part of what he's brought to the team that's sort of unquantifiable is his character to never give up because you know a few years ago, um, before McDavid, or and even in McDavid's early years, the Oilers were very much like how you described the Flames in years past, right? Yeah. Like that and was I bringing that me too. Yeah, that was me bringing me PTSD the way you're describing the Flames <laughs> of how like you know they go down even by one goal, like you know midway through the second, and they've written the rest of the game off. Yep. Like it, it's heartbreaking to watch games like that, and that's definitely been a huge cultural shift I've seen with the Oilers as of late. Um, so, and I, I think a lot of that is the leadership of McDavid in the sense that, you know, I, I, I'm of the mind that like, yeah, the younger players being captain because they're an all-star doesn't always make the most sense. And, uh, I'm sure he has his, his flaws in being the captain, but just showing that character and, um, inspiring others to play the same way, um, seems to have earned a, earned his C for in my mind a little bit anyways and it doesn't even necessarily have to be spoken leadership from him mm-hmm. because yeah or even like good you know team player whatever because if you're sitting on the bench with that guy and you're down by three are you really all that concerned because you can look down the bench and you have Connor mcdavid down there and you're gonna be like <laughs> like we have him on our team like if any team's gonna come back we're probably fine and i don't even have to do anything like i can just sit on the bench so and like i kid about it a little but ha- honestly think about it like if you're sitting on the bench with the best offensive player in the world are you really going to be super concerned unless you're really out of time because you know that he can just almost score at will mm-hmm. and un- until the game's over you have a chance most likely yeah for sure although i do want to talk about one other thing in this series and it's one thing that we've harped on in the past and that's oilers secondary scoring of which there is a very high lack um now i i'm not going to say that mcdavid and drysidel have not contributed because obviously they have between the two of them they have like four goals and 20 assists or something like that but we have seen lots of other people step up and granted again some of these are probably assists from mcdavid (laughs) because that's what mcdavid does but when i'm talking about secondary scoring i don't necessarily mean like just not on his line um not on the ice with him i just mean anyone that's not mcdavid and dry saddle because that's what we've been harping on uh for the past few years is uh, other than mcdavid and dry we were getting no goals and you know we've seen hyman step up with five goals this series uh nugent hopkins had two goals in the last game one of them was handed to him but he'll take it uh and three assists overall in the series uh Kane again yeah a lot of these are from McDavid but five goals and one assist that's nothing to sneeze at 
uh, Yamamoto, a goal and two assists, Bouchard, two goals. Like these are names that you don't hear quite as often as McDavid and Dreisel. And granted, anyone watching these hockey games probably still didn't hear these names because all the commentators were talking about is McDavid. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and as we've discussed in the past, it's understandable. How could you not? Um, but I, I am glad to see those, those players stepping up. And I think, I don't think this problem is necessarily solved next year because as we've talked about before, um, there's a lot of players that just seem to step up in the playoffs. And so I'm guessing that's what a lot of this is, right? I don't expect like Hyman's got five goals in four games. I don't expect him to be a hundred goal scorer next, <laughs> next season by any stretch, <laughs> right? These guys are just uh, stepping up in the playoffs, but Hey, that's when we need it. So that's when we'll take it. But um, the last thing I wanted to discuss is, uh, is obviously we have to talk about goaltending again. Um, you know, on the Oilers side, Mike Smith, obviously last episode or two episodes ago before the series started, we said we can either get the Jekyll or the Hyde. And <laughs> <laughs> who knew that we would actually get both? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because uh you know it, i i'm not going to recap it because these are goals you have to see if you really want to see it, google it the mike smith ridiculous goals um that'll probably come up with lots to watch <laughs> he has made a lot of crazy mike smith goals but at the same time he has also stepped up when not letting those goals in yeah the flames have not been you know, the flames we saw in round one, but he still had uh, 37, 32 and 29 saves in games two through four point nine, three save percentage and an assist. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, he has, like I said, we have seen, I guess that's the Jekyll version. I don't know. I've, I've lost that metaphor, but we have seen that version of him step up. Unfortunately, we've also seen Hyde come out here and there and let in quite a few ridiculous goals. But, you know, I, I do want to, you know, also give him the props uh, he deserves because he is helping this team uh, win those games, uh, despite all the all the fun we understandably and completely forgivably can make of him uh you know he is still a somewhat of a contributing factor so i i did want to sort of put in that little bit of uh defense for mike smith even though it was partially an attack too <laughs> yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna draw the line at saying nice things about mike smith that ain't gonna <laughs> that ain't gonna happen there is that's too fair. much there that's fair um, yeah and on the other side jacob markstrom hasn't been what he needs to be and mm -hmm. i said at the beginning that i trusted him the most and he's failed me um you know i think he has been getting increasingly better uh you know the first minute of game four aside uh he yeah. did make some really big saves to keep him in it in uh in game four and he at least looks on the upward swing but yeah it's just a matter from the flames perspective of their most important players disappearing and yep. even their less important players i guess are their depth players not pulling their weight either like we had that we had man japani all season scoring goals like crazy having this breakout season and uh, he's gone quiet and we had johnny having a great first series against a tough defensive team and scoring the clinching goal and you know he's been he hasn't been very noticeable nobody on calgary has been noticeable aside from the defenseman 
giving the puck away. So uh, in, or- in order for that to change, like I do expect better games from the Flames. I have lost a ton of confidence, but you know, it's go time now. Their backs are against the wall and they responded really well to that against Dallas. So I like you're going to get a better game out of them and whether or not it's going to be enough, I hope it's at least entertaining. I will be torn to shreds when slash if they lose, but you know, it, like I, I'm at least hoping they can put together a showing that won't embarrass us, you know, for the past, uh, for the next game or hopefully three. And uh, the where the rate we're going uh, potentially embarrass Flames fans for the next thirty years until they have a chance to redeem themselves again. Who knows? Yeah. Well, yeah. I think they could fix it probably by getting to the cup, even without going through the Oilers. But uh, that's putting the cart before the horse. I think <laughs> just just a touch, just a bit. Now it's time for Sellies and Scorns. Stu, would you like to pick a category to lead us off? Yes. I will like to pick my Selly and my Scorn, actually. Whoa. I asked yeah. for one, but okay, I will let you bend the rules. And I will allow I will this. deliver twice what you ask for. <laughs> my Selly and or Scorn is dependent on the near future. It is for Ken Holland, depending on how he handles Evander Kane. So, oh. yes. So obviously Evander Kane has made quite the impression. Uh, his regular season was quite impressive, but more impressive. He has had 12 goals and three assists in 11 games this playoffs. That is very impressive, especially for a just over $2 million cap hit. Is what he's getting basically minimum salary plus a little bit of a signing bonus. But... I've heard that Holland desperately wants to re-sign him, which is not a good idea. Uh, Kane has basically proven the McDavid effect, right? And, you know, there's no denying that Kane is talented, but McDavid elevates talent. We've we've always joked with McDavid, with the Sedins, how you could put a cardboard cutout there and they'd get 30 points in the season. <laughs> you know, obviously that's an exaggeration. Kane is talented. I'm not denying that. But his talent has been elevated by Connor McDavid. And what I like about that McDavid effect is that I've heard that there are many agents like actually calling the Oilers about signing their guys to one-year deals so they can increase their worth to other teams, increase their value. And if they're half-decent players, like I don't want Joe Schmo from you know the ECHL just thinking, well, if I play with McDavid, I'll get an NHL contract. That's not what we want. <laughs> What's wrong with Schmo? I heard he had a pretty good season. <laughs> yeah, in the ECHL, Darren. <laughs> Fair enough. If they're half decent, that's the perfect arrangement for the Oilers. I would happily take a chance on a fading, washed-up cane for $2 million for one year, you know, which proved to be very valuable these playoffs. But what I don't want is ludicrous contracts of dollars and term for those faded, washed-up guys who are, you know, just to just so that the Oilers end up paying them to play against us halfway through their contract. <laughs> well, I can't think of any examples of that happening. <laughs> yeah, personally, no, personally. So, uh, unrelated, Lucic is a good player. <laughs> just- 
<laughs> completely out of nowhere. You know, obviously Lucic is is a good player, and you know. I think you would agree. You enjoy him as a Flames player. He's good. He brings something to the team, but he is not, and he's never been worth the seven-year, $6 million contract that he signed for with the Oilers. And I said that to anybody who would listen to me when we signed him. Unfortunately, I don't <laughs> think we had a podcast at the time, so there's no recorded proof. <laughs> we know I, Ken Holland listens to this now, so <laughs> yeah, this is good. You know, I, I did – I was – okay with us getting Lucic. I wasn't thrilled about paying him $6 million. I hated the fact we were paying him $6 million for seven straight years. So turns out it did not work out. Not necessarily all Lucic's fault. It was, you know, a culture thing, whatever. He's ended up turning himself around, doing much better for the Flames, but Darren silently, but definitely did shake his head in agreement with me that he is not worth the contract he was on. <laughs> oh, definitely. No, I... Yeah, I, I think Lucic definitely has a spot on the Flames right now, probably for somewhere around league minimum. Yeah. Right? Like, I would I would love to have him on the team back, say, next year for that. But yeah, you're right. De- like, <laughs> six million? I am counting the days until that cap hit is gone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So again, just to sort of recap, like, I, I really liked this Kane contract because we could get what we wanted out of him and he could get what we wanted, uh, what he wanted out of us. I think I said that right eventually. <laughs> Maybe I can I can splice it together in post. We can fix it in post, as they yeah, say. Yeah, exactly. So I I hope that Holland is smart enough to continue doing that with other free agents who are potentially high risk but also high reward, and that are willing to sign dirt cheap for one year terms. Uh, as opposed to, you know, finding those free agents who are getting everyone swarming around and bidding up contracts and specifically term. That's not what we want. So I really hope that Colin, uh, that Holland decides not to re-sign Kane, at least at what Kane probably thinks he's worth. Like <laughs> if Kane's willing to take another one-year deal, $2 million, sure, I'll take that. <laughs> but Like the way that Kane is performing, he probably thinks, and again, I don't agree with this. He probably thinks he's worth, you know, $8 million for the next five or six years. And that is definitely not what I want Holland signing him for. So that's my cellular scorn to the future Ken Holland, depending on how he handles Evander Kane. (laughs) This is actually super interesting because as I was pondering talking points for this episode, I had the brainwave of, I wonder what, Stu thinks of Evander Kane's chances of re-signing in Edmonton. Like I was thinking, <laughs> do you think he sees this as, oh, this is great. I'm playing with McDavid and scoring bunches, and you know, I I should re-sign here so I can keep doing this. Or do you think he sees it as, oh my goodness, look at how amazing I am scoring all these goals. I'm worth so much now. And he, do you think he's going to get another team to sign him? So you answered most of that, but I guess the question that I had was do you think Kane will actually stay in Edmonton or do you think that he is absolutely looking to turn this into a bigger contract somewhere else? So I don't like to talk about famous people's personal lives because... (laughs) (laughs) because, I wonder where this is going. (laughs) Because we don't... We don't actually know these people. A lot of this stuff gets blown out of proportion. You only get the absolute best and absolute worst of them. But from the very little that I understand about Evander Kane, 
One of them is he's addicted to gambling. <laughs> that's pretty clear. I don't think he's, that's speculating. <laughs> yeah, he's not exactly a... So, you know, that doesn't exactly scream, I'm willing to take a pay cut to have fun and win at sports type of contract. I specifically think he signed with the Oilers because he knew full well that McDavid would make him look good so that he could get a bigger contract next year. I don't think he's willing to take a cut to sign and keep playing well uh, and keep, you know, even if let's say the Oilers, heaven forbid, make it all the way to game seven of the Stanley cup finals (laughs) and, you know, just don't quite get the cup. You know, that's, that's pretty promising that maybe next year is the year. He's still, I still am certain that he thinks he's worth more than he's going to get. And he's going to look for opportunity elsewhere. Uh, Even if they win the cup here, uh, he's going to even milk that even more. So yeah, I I don't think he's the type of guy that's going to take the cut. Uh, I just hope to goodness that Holland is not the type of guy that is, you know, willing to negotiate with that. And we'll just close the door and say, no, that's not what we want you for. If you want to stay here, you have to want to stay here. We're not going to pay you to stay here. Uh, Working in your favor is that I don't think the Oilers (laughs) have that much gap room next year. Honestly, Very true. Very true. Yeah. Like, I don't think they would even have the opportunity to sign him for big money long-term. I don't know the exact numbers, but I know that both the Alberta teams outlook for salary cap isn't, great. isn't super rosy for next year yeah. so but yeah that might save you it, it might but you never know you know gms can do a lot of garbagey moves just to make that room to make an even garbagier move right so yeah that's that that is very true i yeah i see kane absolutely chasing the money for a lot of office reasons so i was more wondering if other teams would stay away because of his reputation and Maybe he wouldn't get that contract anywhere that he's looking for, but knowing what I do about professional sports, <laughs> someone out there is willing yep. to do anything. Absolutely. Even though, because they probably think he's going to score a goal a game like he is right now in the playoffs, even though he's doing it with McDavid, you know. Yep. Someone's GM is going to be like, ah, oh, he could do that with us. Oh. Anyway, that's a whole different thing. That's a that's a good topic for like an off-season episode, I think, is where Evander Kane is going to end up. <laughs> the storybook ending for him is Vegas. But anyways, <laughs> I will uh, I will start with my scorn so that we can end on a celly. Um, uh, and I picked the scorn because fair is fair. I called out Nurse for a dirty play in, uh, in another episode. So I will call out the Flames for doing the same. Allegedly, uh, there's a there's a clip. Hey, I will explain. There's a clip circulating about Drysital skating around the Flames mm, zone yeah. and getting whacked a lot in the ankle. Uh, and as most people know, he theoretically has a high ankle sprain injury, which I I am not completely sold on because I don't think a team would just willingly give out injury information like that. I think it might be some fun espionage by the Oilers, but I digress. The The news is out that Dreisaitl apparently has a high ankle sprain, and there is a clip of the Flames, three Flames in one shift, whacking them in the ankles with their sticks. And if it is the case that they all were specifically targeting his theoretically injured ankle, then that is super dirty. And when I saw that, and when I saw people pointing that out, I said, I hope that's not true, because that... 
would make me very upset because that would mean that there's some sort of directive for them to do that or that they talked about it. I don't think three people individually on the same shift would do that without, you know, some sort of plan in place for them doing that. Mm -hmm. I think there is at least some reasonable doubt there because a hockey players slash things all of the time. (laughs) Um, So, you know, if you're looking for slashes on every shift, you can very easily find slashes on every shift. Um, and I don't want to get too deep into like defending them or anything because it very well could be that they're trying to whack the dude's ankle. So if that's the case, that is my score because that's just stupid. Like play the guy hard, hit him a bunch. Even Kevin Bieksa said on the panel, he said, uh, you know, he thought that was dirty and he would never do such a thing. And he said it with a straight face, which I certainly don't believe, <laughs> you know, that he, that he wouldn't target anybody's injury. But he said, you know, just hit him a lot. Like if you want to, if you think he's hurting, he's out there accepting the risk. So just hit him. Mm-hmm. Don't specifically hit him in the ankle. And it's kind of weird to draw a line like that. But I think as human beings, we should know, you know, not to not to pick on someone where they're specifically hurting right um it's just sort of a a weird thing for the flames to do in my opinion it's sort of a very desperate thing to do also in my opinion if they're doing that then i mean i would be outraged as an oilers fan but also secretly like oh boy they are they are desperate if they're hacking away at the guy's ankle so um yeah that is that is my scorn for the week did you did you have something you wanted to say on that um yeah i i also think it's odd that the oilers have somehow leaked released announced to the world that uh dry has this ankle injury i i do think that's odd i also though don't see any benefit in them in in whatever this espionage is that you you quote because if he didn't have an injured ankle, he does now because that's what the flames are quote unquote <laughs> targeting. So, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, I, yeah, I do think that is odd. So I'm, I'm skeptical about what that injury is too, but, and yes, I would agree that you could uh, easily find whatever you want. If it's regarding slashing in hockey, you could easily find the story that you want to find. Um, but at the same time, if that is the case, that's yeah, totally agree. Dirty and, and desperate. Yeah. Um, my Sally, and I should say on the scoring thing, I there is a whole scoring surrounding Nazem Kadri and everything that's been happening there. We've talked about fans and hate messages to players before, so I don't feel like we have to do it again because I feel like I dearly hope our listeners aren't the sort of people that would do that. Yeah. If you are, you can stop listening, and I don't care because uh, you're terrible, but. I assume that everyone that listens to us is not a terrible person and wouldn't do that. And if you really want to read about what's going on with that, you can, but it's just ridiculous. Like just stop, just stop going on social media like ever, unless you're subscribing to our podcast. That's fine. (laughs) But uh, um, yeah, just everything around Nazem Kadri and how people are treating him is a big, 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 big scorn that, I'm sure we will. It will come up again in regards to another player, which is very sad. But I don't feel the need to repeat it yeah. once again. Agreed. And it, it should be yeah. a beyond mentioning. Like like you said, we've yeah. talked about it before. We want to try and keep as much as we can this podcast fun. So like 
we've scorned those people. We don't talk about those people. Yeah. 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 They don't need it. But I did leave my celly till last because I do like having fun. <laughs> and I just like literally went for th- like three mini cellies because I just kept coming up with stuff. All right. Which is good. That's a, that's a good feeling to have. Yeah. And one was an accident because I was just on the NHL site looking uh, just to get like a quick refresher on the series and everything. And I saw the headlines on the side. The first headline says, Thornton unsure about playing 25th season. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that makes sense. The headline directly underneath it. Yager, 50 years old, leaning towards 35th season. <laughs> wow. <laughs> way, to, way to show up Joe Thornton like that. That's kind of rude. Uh, I just thought that was really, really hilariously situated and also Sally to Yager for considering playing at 50 right dude is ridiculous obviously not in the NHL if you know anyone out there is thinking that's that he might be considering an NHL return no he owns a team in the Czech Republic and he plays for them because it turns out that if you're super famous like the most famous person in your country and you play for your hockey team you drive a lot more revenue weirdly so yeah yeah, he just keeps playing for them and if he's having fun, then good on him. So yep. that's a Selly. Uh, I saw another one on social media that apparently a Flames fan proposed to his Oilers fan significant other last night at the Rogers Center. Wow. During the game. Wow. What a badass. <laughs> but that guy has some uh, emotional steelness to him to just disregard the game. Somehow, like, can you imagine the nerves, like engagement nerves on top of Battle of Alberta playoff nerves? That guy must have been sweating bullets. And I, I don't understand how he went through that. But uh, props to him for carrying that out in a hostile environment. <laughs> right. Um, very cool. And my final mini Selly is uh, a fun announcement that was made this week that you might not even be aware of, Stu. But that is that the Flames affiliate the Stockton Heat are actually moving to Calgary for next season um, which honestly I think is a selly because I've always wondered about going to watch AHL hockey and I think it would be fun to see the guys that are trying to crack the NHL lineup and of course all the benefits for fans like it'll hopefully be cheaper and <laughs> more accessible than an NHL game and I think that'll be really cool I'm sure there's a lot of political and scheduling and all sorts of stuff that makes it really difficult for the league, but I don't care because I'm a fan. So that will be really fun for fans. I think to be able to go watch heat games in Calgary and see what is hopefully the next wave of flames players coming up. So those are my three mini sellies. Nice. I should point out that I actually did know about that. So I would just like to, you you know, toot my own horn a little bit. (laughs) He is on top of the news, folks. I found out from the same group chat you're in. <laughs> I was in the group chat? Oh, now I feel less smart. <laughs> uh, but that's okay. I, I think that's great, too. I, w- I would love for the same thing in Edmonton. I think that would be really cool if I was still in Calgary. I would definitely be all over some AHL games. You can come, you can come check out the Bakersfield Condors when they come play in Calgary. Thank you, everyone, once again for listening to this episode of the Battle of Alberta podcast. 
Um, you can find our episodes at www.thebattleofalbertapodcast.com or since you're listening, you've clearly found a way to listen to it on wherever else you find podcasts. You can tweet at us or email us. Uh, that would be great to hear from you. And uh, we will be back with another episode. That next episode may spell the doom for one of our teams, or we might have another one following that. We never know, so stay tuned, and thanks once again for listening to the Battle of Alberta podcast. Mm-hmm.